0: Uh, okay, so I my ears.
1: Give me announcements, announce Give my an soul, soul. I want to get lost th- in your announcement <laughs> call and praise
0: <laughs> away. <laughs> <Whew>. Praise <laughs> away, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Give me the news, boys, and tell me
1: your shows. I want to get lost in your announcement. Um, rolls, ro- rolls, rolls, and hear the facts.
0: It's Praise Down Announcements. Welcome. Welcome to well, we didn't rehearse. Um we did and that's how it went. We rehearsed <laughs> we rehearsed the first part but not this part. Yeah, uh, I was going to ask I was going to
2: ask if you guys do that every time and then you got into the second part and I thought they they might not.
0: Yeah, we know. We do not. We uh, do. Oof. Um so Alex and I talked about it beforehand. We don't have any shows but you could come to things that always happen. Mm-hmm. Like the public access open mic, yeah, when's that Alex?
1: It is Sunday nights the paseo plunge, seven o'clock is sign ups, and the show starts at seven thirty o'clock
0: very good.
1: that's short for of the clock by the way
0: aside from that, uh I would like to extend an invitation to you to cordially go over to our <laughs> iTunes page and review us and. Mm-hmm. Maybe rate us a good rating?
1: The five stars number.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um, The the holier trinity, the five stars. Uh, Please go over there and do that if you enjoy the show. If you love the show and you'd like to see us be compensated, get us that uh, sort of how did this get made money. A couple of made men. Or that this American life money.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or that... Night Veil Skrilla. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> or that, uh, it mm, it's gone from me. Or that, uh, mm, my favorite murder moolah. Mm-hmm.
1: That, that Chapo Trap House bahonies.
0: That, the, the <laughs> Chapo Trap House cheddar. Yeah. You can go over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash GTM, that stands for Good Trash Media. And you can give us however much money you want. I think, I think there's no donation floor, no donation limit, but you do get rewards. Uh, you get access to things like bonus episodes and things like that, things of that nature.
1: We, uh, I looked through the files, and we do have enough for a Silly Marillion Part 2, so be on the lookout for that if you want that.
0: Yeah, if you want Silly Marillion Part 2. Just cut bits and nonsense. Go ahead and donate to us at, do we know the donation level? No. All right. Go to patreon.com slash gtm to find out that donation level to get bonus episode access. And we will see you on the Silly Marillion Part 2. Now, uh, finally, we've got an epistle this week.
1: Oh, baby.
0: Comes from from our number one fan, Phil Cray. Thank you, Phil. Who uh, told me that you would be in the same room in Austin as... David Gabori?
1: I was. We were on a team together for Low and Inside. He thought it was funny. Just quick
0: Yeah, just a quick, just a quick brag from Alex. Um, <laughs> Phil told me to tell you, and I did tell you, to bring up something that resembles a ponytail and say the deed is done. It is very cryptic, Phil. Uh,
1: I did not... I couldn't get a hold of a ponytail. I apologize to you, Phil.
0: So, I don't know if this is some sort of, like, you know, Illuminati handshake.
1: Yeah. Phil, would David Borey have known what that was? Or was were you just trying to do a weird prank to me <laughs> to make me seem weird in front of David Borey, yeah, who w- I like a lot?
0: Phil, we need answers.
1: <laughs> so send us an epistle next week. Send us
0: an epistle next week, Phil. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. Now... We've got a praise down for you. Yep. We're about to praise it. Who we got?
1: Mm, I'm not sure. I've been on vacation.
0: (laughs) That's okay. We can cut that part out. Please enjoy this episode of The Praise Down.
3: Let go your burdens to the Christian Praise
1: down. Praise down Welcome. <laughs> Jill just made a face because of how horribly out of tune that was.
0: Okay, we'll get it we'll get it right. Hang on. Okay.
1: <laughs> Praise down Praise down
2: Praise down <laughs> I missed it altogether. <laughs> oh no, you
0: did the devil's interval. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Praise down
2: Praise down I'm not a good
1: That was that was like the THX intro? These got worse every. These, <laughs> oh yeah, they were worse every time. I don't know what's wrong with us. Um, I'm gonna do a THX. A I'm gonna do the THX intro real quick. Praise down. None of this is useful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is all bad. All right. Uh, <laughs> welcome, welcome
0: to, welcome to the Praise Down, the number one, kind but firm Christian music analysis and review podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Heath Huffman,
1: and I'm your host, Alex Sanchez.
0: And with us today is uh, a PhD student in film studies at Oklahoma State University, the host of. Our our very good um, podfathers, the Good Trash Genre cast.
2: Podfathers.
0: (laughs) Uh, He's also a pastor in uh, the Praise Downs resident theology buff. It's Dustin Sells. He's back.
2: Hey, what's going on? Hey. I get get to come back.
0: Yeah, welcome back, Dustin. I'm excited. Missed you. We haven't seen each other since Easter. We were talking about it. I apparently
2: have to podcast with you guys for you to hang out with me. Uh, That's true of everyone we know, though.
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh, Who do I I see that isn't podcast-related anymore? Well, my doctor. Oh, <laughs> my... I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to get him on.
1: <laughs> Dude, get your doctor on the praise down. Is your doctor, Christian.
0: Hmm. I mean, doctors in Oklahoma usually are.
1: Yeah, they've got the money.
0: I don't know who the doctor house of Oklahoma is. <laughs>
1: How do we see that guy?
0: I don't know. It's just Hugh Laurie in a cowboy hat. We
1: have to
2: get an awful disease, don't you, to see that guy? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. You have to, you have to get something that seems like it's lupus, but right. the twist is that it isn't. Uh, Dustin, uh, what have you, what have you been up to since Easter?
2: Since Easter, well, that was a busy week. Uh, I'm glad that was over, and I. not that bad to say? But I, I'm going to go ahead and say that. I'm always glad when Easter's over. Yeah, it's exhausting. Holy Week is exhausting. It's a lot of work. Yeah, a lot of work. Yeah. So it's like uh, the Black
0: Friday of of uh, like church work,
2: right? It's like right. your Super Bowl. It is like yeah. So we got through with that. Uh, then I got through with the semester at school, which is my last semester of coursework. So I'm in dissertation hours now, Ooh, which is baby. awesome.
0: So you're so, just writing.
2: Yeah, working on a prospectus right now. I'm also studying up for the language exam, and then I got a comp exam off take, and I'll be ABD by the first of the year. So hot dog. Dang!
0: In um, in dumb speak, what's your thesis over?
2: Uh, kung fu movies. Uh, okay, because they're rad and punching people in the face is interesting. So true. Yeah, that's that's basically the American sort of uh, assimilation of kung fu cinema from Hong Kong and how we made it our own in ways that are um troubling. Nice. They typically are. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Anytime America makes something our own, it's uh. It's never in a, can we have some, please, way. Well,
2: no. And it, it, the, one of the particular things I talk about is how through Kung Fu films, we made Buddhism our own and uh, really did violence to that um, by use of the violence in Kung Fu. So uh, fun times. Nice. Uh, so it's a, it's a dissertation that doesn't sound like you want to sleep, which is really my goal in life.
1: Sure.
0: Yeah, we, we punched and kicked until Buddhism was also
3: Much more punchier American. and kickier. <laughs> way more.
0: Way more. Uh Dustin so I've been I've been meaning to talk to you about something there was something that you had tweeted a little while back about oh, who knows? about your no no I I I thought it was really neat and I wanted to pick your brain about it uh it was something about uh, misconceptions about fasting and and why you fast, and like what good fasting looks like, and what bad fasting looks like. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah,
2: I remember. I remember that tweet. I remember somebody trying to school me a little on that. And oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I wasn't
0: in there for that.
2: Yeah, that was fun times.
0: So. Um, can you can you explain? Are are you still doing? Are you still doing your fast?
2: I I, I do fast. I fast on the reg. Uh, so usually I fast on Wednesdays and on Fridays. Um, not always, but typically that's sort of my practice. That's that's ancient. Uh, there's a book called the Didache, uh, which is written in the first century after Jesus, and said that uh, you should do that if you're a Christian. And then uh, John Wesley, who's an important theological forebear, said he wouldn't ordain anybody who didn't do it. And so Dang. He was pretty hardcore well, about all that. All right. So I'm like, okay, well, I can do that. Yeah, and
0: John Wesley's like your dude yeah, work-wise, uh, right?
2: Yeah, so he's a big deal. you know? and, Yeah. So I I used that, um, the Friday fast in particular I was talking about, because I thought it would be good to use that, the focus of prayer in that. To pray for you know I don't know prisoners and refugees and the homeless the the hungry Mm -hmm. right because Jesus was all three of those things he is uh, obviously a prisoner um, he's being executed on a Friday so that's part of the sort of uh, Good Friday and all Fridays sort of have that kind of fast day built into them in Christian tradition and then the idea that uh, he thirsts and he's hungry uh, to think about those who don't have food who who suffer from food scarcity and not just to think about them, obviously, to strategize ways to help them to get food. And then lastly, as a former refugee himself, uh, Jesus was uh, uh, is uh, gives us, a, as Christians anyway, uh, uh, an avenue to think about how we ought to treat those kinds of people. I was then attempted to be schooled by someone. Was like, well, I don't get the refugee bit. Uh, how is Jesus oh, a refugee? boy. And I'm like, well, he had to escape political oppression in his own location his parents did and they had to go to egypt to get away from herod and then the guy said okay i get that but he was only like a refugee for a little bit he wasn't always a refugee to which i wanted to say well he wasn't always a bloody prisoner either but we think about stupid
1: god
0: he didn't want to live like a refugee for
1: very long (sighs) who does yeah
2: <laughs> well christians oftentimes don't like to be confronted with any version of faith that confronts their already existing politics it's yeah, and yeah this it's, particular it, homie was that kind of guy
0: it's so interesting how how people will argue the opposite so much but they but their faith is so deeply informed by their politics yes like yeah. th- like everything every experience that happens to, you know, a lot of people down here in Oklahoma, especially, goes through the politics filter first.
2: Right. Absolutely it does, yeah.
0: Even though they, even though they will, like, argue until they're blue, they're blue in the face that it goes through the faith filter first.
2: Well, and what's weird is it's like a non-critical, like, political filter. You sort of are handed down in the same way faith is sometimes handed down, you know, generationally. You know, you're raised in a church or something like that. And so sometimes there's an uncritical uh, assent to faith. But what's crazy is that when faith becomes one's own, oftentimes as an adult, one does not then say, okay, what about the way I organize my politics? Well, it seems like all the people around me are—well, it's Oklahoma, so I can say it. They're all Republicans. Mm-hmm. And so this particular version of Republican ideology must be that which naturally dovetails into Christian faith, although I don't think there could be anything more antithetical. Um, so Yeah, truly. Yeah. But, yeah, that's just without thinking about it.
0: So did your, did your fast for prisoners specifically arise in response to the news that we incarcerate more people per capita than anywhere?
2: No, I've been doing that for years, you know, before I sort of knew that. Um, but that is a thing that I became aware of as a result. And so because I, I'm dedicating that day to that sort of thought, that's when the discovery happened. It was, mm-hmm. And it was based out of also in the Book of Common Prayer on Fridays. The prayers are typically sort of organized in thematics. And one of the things that happens a lot on Fridays, also Mondays, but Fridays more typically you have prayers for the incarcerated and for those. And also prayer when you pray for the incarcerated, you pray for jailers as well, that they do so humanely and that they do so while you know, recognizing the humanity of those around them. And so it was uh, through that sort of lens that I was sort of pushed in that direction to go, Oh, wow, we do we incarcerate more people per capita than any other nation in the world, mm-hmm. which is crazy.
1: Yeah. 200 people per person. It's crazy. No, that's
2: not. <laughs> 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 no, that, that's how many badminton there are in Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. that's right. That's right. That's right. I forgot.
0: Yeah. Not prisoners. Silly Oh man. Um, it, I, I wanted to, I asked that because it was very timely that, that popping up on your Twitter, the, the
2: tweet itself was was definitely based off that yeah. oh,
0: the the discussion of it was in response, yes, so what sort of uh pushback do you get from from like other purported people of faith about your fasting habits
2: uh, well so, sometimes it's because there's been teaching on fasting in the church context where it's only for particular sort of reasons that you fast when you have a decision to make, right? So you go a day mm-hmm. or two days or whatever, you know, and it, whatever sort of limited kind of fasting that you might do, that you do that kind of thing uh, in order to get direction, right, to get some sort of guidance. Or they're from a background where their only understanding of fasting, is sort of Lent or Lenten kind of fasting, and like, oh, so you've got a sin you're working off. And so that's why you fast. And those are two reasons why one might fast, but it seems in uh, the texts and in the practices of uh, Jews and Christians over the centuries, that there were many, many reasons uh, why one would do that. And to recognize that, yeah, food is for the body, but the body is not for food. And so, you know, that sort of self-discipline is something that can apply to all other areas of your life. If you can use that bit of self-discipline in that area, then you're able to be more disciplined in putting on virtue or removing vice or whatever it is you need to do.
0: Mm -hmm. So, So what is the sort of common, like... What is the sort of common understanding of what fasting is for? You mentioned, like, making a decision, right? Um, how, do, how do you feel like regular members of, say, your congregation fast that aren't correct?
2: I wouldn't say incorrect. I would just say deficient. I would say that there are more things that they could be doing, right? And so mm-hmm. they'll, they'll fast for a day when they, um, somebody offered them a job. And, like, should I take this job or not take this job? And so they'll pray about it and they'll not eat for a day and or, you know, however long and either just go with what their gut already said or uh, they'll go with, um, you know, if they have some sort of experience during fasting. I tend to be of the uh, school of thought that God actually doesn't care which job you take, that uh, that sort of thing is more or less can you still do uh, your life, can you live your life faithfully in that context? If so, God will be with you in that opportunity that doesn 't mean instant success and I think that is more the reason why people approach fasting for decision making is because they want guaranteed success. They want to guarantee uh, it 's going to work because God told me to do it
0: now we 're looping back to the prosperity, prosperity element of- right. Yeah,
2: and so and the the thing is is that God never guaranteed success anyway. Uh, as far you know, textually, there's no basis for that. Um, I mean, eleven to twelve disciples died, so um, right. if they fasted about before where they went, um, they should have fasted longer. Apparently, according wait, to American Christians. Wait, which one didn't die? Pop quiz. Uh, which one didn't die? That's Saint John.
0: Oh yeah, he just he tripped really hard on um, Patmos, right? Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. ergotism. Yeah, he had a he had a, he had a good day. What? Awesome. <laughs> that rules. That's where
0: Revelation came from.
2: Yep. Yeah. I mean, whatever yeah. his experience was. You sure. Know. And yeah. it, honestly, I don't. People talk about Revelation like, you know, he tripped or something like that. Honestly, the language itself is all stolen from the Old Testament. I think he just wrote a bit of poetry and just took a set of symbols that were familiar to a culture and exposed and expanded upon what it looks like to live under an empire and said, this is how we resist that empire and gave a message of hope that. Eventually, empires lose and the kingdom wins, and that's the point anyway. It's not yeah. about you know dragons falling from the sky and you know, um, although Lindsay. all that stuff is yeah. badass. It's it's really I mean it's, yeah. the, it's the most metal book of the Bible. I will give you that.
0: Yeah. It, it's it's fun to think that it's fun to think that John tripped um, for maybe a joke sometimes, but also maybe it helps us kind of like bridge that understanding. But mm-hmm. also, he was alone on Patmos. It was very like Tom Hanks Castaway stuff. Ooh. but. Yeah, uh there was a lot of language in that book that sort of borrows previous uh like previous iconography mm-hmm. from the religion. Um there was a lot of uh is the is the angel as the wheel with a thousand eyes? Is that in Revelation
2: or is That's that in Ezekiel? That's in Ezekiel man. three. Yeah, some of my favorite stuff. There is a ban in uh, one particular version of Judaism, and I can't remember which one it is. But you're not allowed to read the first like fifteen or eighteen chapters of the book of Ezekiel until you're thirty, because it's young men get obsessed with that and sort of tr- try to sort of uh, you know untangle all the madness, and it's just not good for you. So you're just not allowed to read it. Get wow. older, and then you're like, oh, okay, that was really weird. So, and, and you can sort of move on without becoming a tinfoil hat wearing crazy person. Oh, uh, mm, wow!
0: Awesome. So, is Ezekiel the most like the sn- like sneak pick for the most buck wild book of the it, Bible? Yeah,
2: it's, it's it's pretty wild. I mean, he shaves off half his beard to make a point about how many people are going to die when the uh, the Babylonians come. He only sleeps on one side of his body for a while. He makes bread that he cooks on poop. I mean, he does weird stuff. <laughs> awesome <laughs> yeah it's you, almost
0: like a william s burroughs book
2: yeah the seventh day adventists have got that ezekiel bread in the uh, whole food store but it ain't real <laughs> ezekiel bread because they would have cooked, they it, didn't, cooked it on poop they didn't cook it on poop. wow i'm glad they don't follow the recipe yeah yeah, me too.
0: yeah hey way to way to deviate that's a good idea um so i, I wanted to talk I, I had another question about about fasting, um, how much does, how much, like, I I want you to think of this in maybe like a more, uh, political lens for a moment. How much does fasting constitute like direct action?
2: Oh, well, I mean, it depends on if you, I mean, that's a great question because, I mean, there's a debate that goes on right now when people on the right do a terrible thing, which is when there is a school shooting or a mass shooting, they talk about sending thoughts and prayers. Right. Mm-hmm. And that thoughts and prayers is, and it, it rightly is being criticized, going, yeah, you guys can pray all you want, but, you know, why don't you pass some legislation? Right. Yeah. Do something to fix the thing. That would be a better thing than simply sending your thoughts and prayers. However, I am part of the tribe of human beings that do think thoughts and prayers are effective, that there sure. is something to pre- presenting those uh, positive thoughts that does move things that are unseen. I do believe that kind of thing. And so fasting is, for me, direct action, but I have to say that fasting by itself would be utterly insufficient. I think if all you did was like, okay, these days I fast, and I'm going to use part of those fasting days to pray for these particular needs that are going on in the world, great, but then what else are you going to do? And hopefully what that time of focused thought and intention Towards benefit for other people By focusing that intent Then you are more motivated to Visit a prisoner, you are more motivated To work in a soup kitchen You're more, wor- you're more motivated to work For legislation that you know just Continues to uh, fight against the Criminalization of poverty in our country uh, The criminalization of homelessness in our country And to do things that Are going to uh, systemically and structurally Support those kinds of people And so, yes uh, You're right I I do believe it's a thing, but I don't believe by itself it's enough.
0: Yeah, it's almost like what you're saying is you you believe in in the power of fasting as direct a ac- direct action, but you also understand that people that aren't uh accepting the same premises you won't see it that way. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, but at the same time fasting can also be this sort of like springboard if you're meditating on these ideas during your fast maybe you can uh clear your head and get yourself in a place where you can act right right and and for however effective thoughts and prayers are at whatever level maybe and this might kind of seem like a bit of a like a bit of a Marxist idea or whatever but um, praying is for probably for the people that don't have the power to make change at the moment.
2: I mean, I don't, I, I wouldn't agree entirely with that, you know, because I think praying is for everybody. You sure. Know? I, I think that there, there, you move unseen things, you know, the sort of Dutch Sheets quote, right? Prayer is a mm-hmm. tendon that moves the hand of God. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I do believe that God intervenes and that God acts. But. Without the other. And and so, yeah, you pray, you meditate. I mean, it was a Friday that I had an idea and that mm-hmm. my church, we now raise a garden. We We have a bunch of boxes of veggies that we grow and we give them away every weekend. And uh, that kind of came out of one of those Fridays when I was praying. Like, man, could we just give people food that maybe their income is not what determines whether or not they have access to produce? Yeah, uh, that would be better. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, but the the Marxist sort of approach that you're giving there is 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 utterly materialist, right? And yeah, it, so,
0: it, it is definitely. I'm talking about uh, I'm talking about maybe um, somebody who just a normal person mm-hmm. praying is. Is probably a more noble gesture than a than Paul Ryan praying. Yes. Yeah.
2: But and what I do believe is that if a person really does pray, that they cannot leave that experience changed. That as C.S. Lewis once said,
0: wait, leave it changed or unchanged.
2: You can't leave it unchanged, right? Yeah. yeah. Prayer. He's he's half right when he says it. he says prayer doesn't change God; it changes me. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. uh the the changes me is right. I do also believe it changes God, but I believe in a passable God. So I deny some of the orthodox uh stuff about that, but that's a whole other conversation. Sure. Um but that yeah, you're tra- you're transformed in that moment. And uh that that change to you will then uh influence your actions afterward. That's how I know Paul Rand's not praying.
0: Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. It's uh it's just thoughts right
2: yeah right
0: oh that's 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 big that's true um hey do you want to talk about the book you brought me for a moment sure so we have seen uh dustin and i alex is not unfortunately uh, dustin and i have seen the film first reformed so good with uh ethan hawk and amanda Seyfried.
1: what's it about guys
2: it's about a very sad pastor Nice. I've nice. been watching Preacher. Very similar. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Insofar as they're both sad, yes. Sure, sure. Is there a vampire in it? There are no vampires. Mm. Sadly, no. Mm.
0: There are, like, emotional vampires. There are emotional
2: vampires. There, There's, a, there's okay. a sort of a gothic Marxist sort of vampirism that goes on there. So, yeah. All right. For sure. Mm-hmm. Bulk okay. is a vampire.
0: Yeah, the, the vampires are more abstract in this.
2: All right. Well,
1: that seems fine. I'm into
0: it the theologian that often gets that that gets named brought very often in this film first reformed is thomas merton and this is one of dustin's favorites dustin do you want to talk about thomas merton for a little bit
2: yeah thomas merton was a trappist monk he lived uh, near uh, wilmore kentucky uh, trappists take vows of silence alongside uh, some of these sort of more traditional uh, Roman Catholic Vows, and I uh, wrote a great uh, sort of spiritual journey book called The Seven-Story Mountain uh, that is a, a classic that I have read bits of, but I've never read it in its totality. And uh, also was uh, a frequent traveler to the uh, Near East. Uh, he was released from his vow and was able to have conversations with people while he did that, and uh, was uh, very conversant with uh, Buddhism. And so there's uh, a couple books um, out there where he's got some dialogues with D.T. Kazu- Suzuki who was one of the first sort of uh, Japanese-American popularizers of Zen Buddhism in the States. And so I loaned uh, Heath here a copy of Zen and the Birds of Appetite, which is a collection of essays that uh, Merton wrote. Uh, Merton felt that one could be uh, a full Zen practitioner and a Christian uh, simultaneously. And so that is part of what's going on in that particular text.
0: That's really neat. Yeah, I can't wait to break into this book. I'm really excited. Um, So... Uh, how, uh, so kind of explain maybe the central points of Thomas Merton's belief system.
2: I mean, it's very traditional in many senses, Roman Catholic, you know, I mean, he's a Roman Catholic, uh, he was not a priest, if I remember correctly, he was only under monks orders. So there's a different sort of gradation there that you can be a priest and a monk, or you can be a priest or a monk. Uh, he just happened to have been, uh, a monk, but he also had a very sort of open idea of faith, that people are understanding who God is, and uh, that what Christians and others seek to do, or should seek to do, is to help people have a better understanding of God. What it would be, I, if you used a sort of an uh, anachronistic sort of model, he has a centered set sort of mode of evangelism rather than a bounded set. So, okay, can I, can I get teacher-y for a second? Yes, please. Yes, okay, please. so, um, uh, man, almost, I almost need to draw things, but I won't because this is an auditory medium. Here we right. go. So, I'm closing set, my eyes. imagine a circle. Inside the circle are little people with crosses on them. Those are Christians, right? And the this, this, this circle is a solid line. Outside that circle are other people. And so what Christians do in a centered set model is try to get, go outside the circle, find those people, and get them to cross the barrier into the circle yeah. right, mm-hmm. to become Christians, right? That's, set, that's, that's, that's a centered, excuse me, a bounded set model. It's got a boundary. Okay. All right. Um, the centered set model, imagine, that, uh, imagine something more like a funnel, right? And so at the, uh, at the apex of the funnel, there is the reign and the rule of God. And that human beings are just everywhere along a continuum outside that place of the funnel. And what people sh- of faith should do is try to get someone closer to living a life that looks more like the rule and reign of God. And oh. without necessarily crossing a particular kind of boundary sure. in order to do that. And so that is the, uh, the emphasis. It, it, it's more of a continuum of seeing human beings rather than simply saying, have you crossed the boundary or not? Right. And so Merton's understanding of the world was that people were on the journey and uh, there everyone's on a journey towards the presence of God. And so what we can do is we can aid people in getting closer to God. However, that looks like wherever they happen to be at the moment, rather than trying to get them to move across some sort of arbitrary barrier to jump through some particular hoops. Uh, <laughs> we have dogs chiming in. That we would rather try to get them to simply get a little closer to living a life that looks more like God reigns, which might be a life that has more forgiveness, a life that is uh, more charitable, a life that is more generous. Huh. Those kinds of things. Oh, I really set, like that. A centered set sort of theology.
1: I like that.
0: It's like an idea. It's it's the idea that sort of rejects, are you a member, aren't you a member? Right. And instead says, how much of a member are you? Right. And how do I make you be more of a member?
2: Yeah, you've never arrived. I mean, that's, that's what it takes away from you. It's like, no matter where you are, you know, he's a sisterian monk who's been doing his stuff for years, and he's got to get closer to the, uh, the white-hot center of where God's presence is, and somebody who is in a completely different context, who hasn't thought about a religious thought in years. And how do I get that person a step closer to the white hot center of where God is And so that's the concern Rather than some sort of arbitrary barrier Whether it be a right in the church Or something like that It's simply saying what makes it closer for you And that's where those rights Or what are other things that churches or religions do Can be useful But mm-hmm. the point is not so much to jump through the hoop To cross the barrier As it is to get closer to that presence of a God Who is a God of love uh, Especially for Merton
0: so he doesn't seem he doesn't seem to me so much like a um like a christian like structuralist if that makes sense he seems like a he seems like one of those one of those uh, guys who can who is sort of saying that you can be a part of a different faith and have that, have the same experience absolutely yeah, yeah. i
2: mean uh, that we are all in, in some ways aligned with the rule and reign of God. And so what's closer for you? That's the question. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's sort of like the question you know when John Wesley was being asked about justification or sanctification, two different experiences in Christian. He says, what's the most important one trying to get him to sort of, you know, try to paint him into a corner? And Wesley said, well, the next one. Nice. Right? And, and that's, that's sort of where Merton is. It's just, well, whatever, what's next for you? That's what you should do is whatever's next.
1: I like that.
0: And there's that sort of Zen crossover. mm mm-hmm, Mhm. Mhm. What do we have now? What do we have now? Um, well, well, well. <laughs> we could read one of those articles that I found. Yes, please. <laughs> okay. So, uh so Dustin, let's th- what, For what,
1: thoughts what, and pr- we're doing Thoughts and Prayers is what this is.
0: This this could be called Thoughts and Prayers. This could be a different This could be a different seg. I'm not sure maybe, yet. Maybe. We found a um a sort of Christian teen magazine website. Oh, okay. And I just want to ref- <laughs> I just want to reflect on um I just want to reflect on an article from them a little bit. This comes from fervor.net. It's F E R V R. Okay. Cuz it's
2: almost a fever uh, but not quite. Cuz <laughs>
0: it's online that um that last E is get it out of here. So this uh this article everybody is called Apple versus God. <laughs> Okay um so they both have a powerful list of features, but there can only be one winner. I didn't know they were competing
2: <laughs> Oh
0: were they competing
2: i I do not believe so no one seems no.
0: like one seems like a line of phones and computers <laughs> uh-huh what's the other one? and the other seems like a god yeah <laughs> let's see let's hear them out let's see what they have to say okay. Uh, there's a lot of hype at the moment surrounding the release of the new iPhone and other Apple products. Uh huh. There's even a guy who set up a camp chair outside the Apple store in Sydney three months ahead of
1: release of the iPhone X. That seems like too. You probably could have getting, gotten gotten there the day before. That's a part. little excessive, but yeah, okay. that seems a little bit. Mm,
0: I don't know. That's it's it's still not a worship thing.
1: No, it's more like he's going for a high score of some kind.
0: Yeah, tell me you haven't tell me you haven't camped out for a Billy Graham crusade, you know what I'm saying?
2: I, I have not.
3: <laughs>
0: as I listened to Apple's official announcement, it got me wondering whether Apple has taken the place of God in our modern world.
2: Because what? you would camp out for an iPhone as opposed to camping out for church.
0: Right, right? but you don't here's the secret. You don't have to You don't have to camp right. out for church. Go. Now I'm mad. Alright, so <laughs> here is the
2: problem. Here is the thing in which the Christians just do not get it because they have so internalized contemporary capitalism that they understand the entire world as a market of scarcity. That everything that they do church-wise is based on that market of scarcity. So the way in which you are passionate about church, it must be as passionate about getting a commodity that has a limited amount that you can only get so many of. The store might sell out and that that's the only reason why uh, you'd want to camp out for that. And so you've got to get in to get to God because there's a limited amount of God. This is why some churches are very, very like uh, skittish about serving communion. They have this sort of theology where they say something, if you have communion all the time, it becomes less meaningful. And uh, well, right, I mean, you've heard that sort of thing in Protestant yeah. evangelical circles, right?
0: Yeah, the supply's overcoming the demand, right?
2: Because it is—it is based on just if it happens all the time, it doesn't mean anything. Well, it does in capitalism, but it doesn't have anything to do with God's economy, and that is because His grace never runs out. It never gets cheaper. It never gets less. And that it's—it's it, lousy economy of scarcity. It's lousy internalized capitalist uh, theology like that. That is why the western church limps the way it does yeah um, and, and just, and it, oh, sorry you got me all excited
0: no this is this great is, this is great um and it sort of accepts this consumerist premise yes, of yeah. church right this idea that you just go and you get your you religious get religious
2: goods and services from the vending yeah, machine yeah you get your
0: church and you go home hey i got my church good uh,
1: job now you can get all your other products for the rest of the week and then on sunday it's time to get that church product. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah,
2: and that's not what it's about. No.
0: Yeah, get your groceries on Saturday, get your church on Sunday, right? So, uh the next this next subheading is uh the church of apple. <sighs> I don't know why I Sorry, technical difficulties. I guess we're just going to do this. This next this next sort of section is called the church of apple. The Church of Apple is their retail stores or as they now like to call them town squares. Can we verify uh,
2: Do they call them that? I don't know if that's true. I haven't heard that.
0: Okay, we no but none of us have heard that. I walked we're, by
2: an Apple store in a mall the other day and it still said Apple store. Mhm. So. It, it doesn't say
0: the town square like You can't walk you don't walk in there with like a, a Samsung Galaxy S9 and get put in the headstocks and they don't throw tomatoes at you it's not a town square nobody's issuing decrees the church of apple is like the retail stores as they now call them town squares they have redesigned their stores so that they are not just places you go to buy products but you also go to learn and experience community now okay no one's hanging
1: out at the fucking apple store no one's no no
0: there is one guy that's at the apple store to hang out and you know who it is yeah just by looking we at him, you do not
2: make eye contact. No. ever. Yep, it's, he always
0: wears yep. a
1: black turtleneck.
0: Yeah, the one, <laughs> <laughs> the one guy at every Apple store that's just trying to hang out, you can tell who it is by who the employees ignore. Yep, nobody's going there for community. What's happening in this article? Um, here's well, kind of like church. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> crickets. Crickets. <laughs> here's what the Church of Apple offers. Instead of a Bible study, Apple invites leaders from the community to come in and teach to- people on topics like photography and app development. What do they? Do
1: they?
2: I don't well, think. even so. if they do, is that a church corollary? I mean, is every place where education happens somehow competition for a church? I mean,
1: I mean, I think that there are people who think that that's the case. Oh, there probably are.
0: I mean, I know people that homeschool their kids for precisely that reason Uh,
1: don't homeschool your kids
0: unless you really know what you're doing
1: right yeah Yeah. if you're like yeah
0: and if you think you know what you're doing you're probably not the person to
1: do it wait (laughs) yeah that's true
0: it's it's probably hard um instead of a sunday service apple invites people to gather together and chat at their stores Plus, plus they have their keynote events where the whole audience comes and listens to, air quotes, preachers like CEO Tim Cook.
2: Okay, okay. So anytime you have people gathered listening to someone talk, that's church.
1: TED Talks, church.
2: Yeah, rock concerts. Rock concerts,
1: church. Stand-up comedy, church. Yeah,
0: Doug, Doug Stanhope, live, Church, church.
2: Yeah, um, grocery shopping, church, church. Yeah, if they have like a cook who te- teaches you how to cook, this is
1: insane. Just any time you get taught. Uh, oh, is that church? That's oh, a, it's not. You're not learning about the Lord's math. Mm, get out of school, pal. Oh
0: yeah, um, I was looking up who this author was so I could um so I could lambast him uh, more uh, specifically. His name is Edward Soden.
1: Oh my no. god
0: <laughs> Um I'm just imagining this guy crashing just every classroom he can. Every anytime people are talking in a circle, he's like, Oh what, this is
1: church now? Is this church? Wow is this what church is? Oh wow we've I've decided oh which one to use the preacher.
0: Yeah, is this the town square? Is if that isn't that what you call it? The town square
1: I hate it. It's I hate it.
0: Th- this very smug list continues.
3: <laughs>
0: Instead of the Bible, you can get answers to your biggest questions from Siri. No,
1: you can't. No. No, you can't. No. You can know where a restaurant is from it. You I can get know what the temperature outside is you from it. You can get
2: the Wikipedia article, but that's not the same. <sighs> Different.
1: Different. Uh, I can barely make Siri set a timer. Uh.
0: Instead of prayer... You can connect to Apple from anywhere. (laughs) What? (laughs) Even on a surfboard with your Apple Watch.
1: Okay. Now, I will say, it's very easy to pray on a surfboard.
2: It's so easy. It is.
0: Some theologians say the only thing you can do on a surfboard is pray.
2: (laughs) Well, if you've seen me surf, you know that I'm
1: praying a lot. (laughs) My surfing is a form of worship.
2: (laughs) Well, I'm praying because it's more of a form of survival. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. God is with you because otherwise...
2: I'm going to
1: die. Otherwise, the sharks are.
0: Instead of God's spirit in our hearts, Apple has sent their iPhones into our pockets. Ah! Wherever we go, whatever we're doing, the presence of Apple is with us. This... Ha- this article has crossed over into bad YouTube poetry, I think.
2: Yeah, it's it's like that Saturday night, 1159 sermon writing where the pastor sits down and goes, I need an illustration that's where one thing's like another. Oh, I know, I'll use this, and it yeah. doesn't work.
0: iPhones. Are they God now? A sermon by, by me. <sighs> Apple versus God. With God pushed out of the public sphere, Apple has attempted to fill the void, has it? But the truth is, Apple falls a long way short of the Lord of the Universe. Again, I was not aware no they one, were competing.
2: No one thinks that this isn't true. Okay, can I probably sociologist again for a second? Yes. Yes. Okay, so here is the problem. is This person is really, really upset about living in a post-Christendom world. Right. Christendom in that there is this sort of one-to-one correspondence with the majority culture and Christianity. And seeing that the world—I mean, that's why the town square thing, because the church isn't a town square anyway— uh, but the idea that the town square Could be used about anything other than the church That that's the center of all community life The center of all community understanding And that this is a thing that happened About 350 years into the Christian story In which Constantine uh, you know, Makes Christianity the official religion Of the Roman Empire And then uses the cross as a sword In which to subdue enemies And also to control his people It's, it's about the empire's use of the church Church in order to accomplish its own purposes, and this person is writing this article, bemoaning that loss of centrality, which is probably the worst thing that ever happened to Western or not Western Christianity. Christianity in general was that fusion of the empire uh, with the kingdom. So that's what they're bemoaning, and they're bemoaning uh, actually a a development I think in culture that's really really positive for Christianity.
0: Yeah, because when Christianity is so central to uh, like the majority of society you you have to
1: kind of ask why Mm -hmm. right and it's easy for it to get co-opted by things that are bad and gross well
2: when the priest and the king ride on the same horse i can tell you who rides in front yeah wow
1: yeah yeah Mm Hmm.
0: yeah you kind of have to stop and ask i mean whose autonomy is being sacrificed for this to be so central right uh, like the people that, the people that want this are insane to me. Um, Apple has been around just over forty years, but God is eternal.
1: Uh huh.
0: As much as it seems like Apple is shaping our world and creating the future, sure, don't forget that God brought the universe into being and is in control of everything that has ever happened from the distant past to the eternal future.
1: Wait a minute, you mean to tell me that Steve Wozniak didn't invent the sky <laughs> and the ocean <laughs> and giraffes and horses?
0: No, apparently just a a fucking phone.
1: Steve Jobs invented minerals and mountains though, right? No, like he he like used the stuff in them but apple ceo tim cook is in charge of where the stars go right no you can ask siri about where they are
0: but he he okay (laughs) having a real crisis of faith over here oh we're going in for the kill here iphones break and need to be upgraded Uh uh-huh but God is the same yesterday and today and forever. You know,
2: Christianity sometimes breaks and needs to be upgraded. I'm just saying. <laughs> That's true.
0: You want to name a notable time
2: that uh, happened? Uh, uh, the 20th century. Yep. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems so. Uh, yeah.
0: Apple wants to enhance our lives and set us free. I don't think it does. No. But only God can deal with the deepest problem in our hearts, our sinful nature that rebels against God. Only through Christ can we find forgiveness and be truly
1: free. I mean, yeah, but also fucking be cool.
2: Also, the <laughs> primary thing is about you're bad and you need... for uh, They just... Okay.
3: Okay.
0: It's... Like, American Christianity, especially, is so masochistic. Yeah.
1: hmm
0: Like, yeah, but also...
2: Also other stuff.
0: You're not, like, a scumbag automatically.
2: Well, I mean... I I I really genuinely want wonder this question. Is, is that sometimes, you know, I get the idea, you know, I mean, I've, I've been to seminary and all that kind of stuff. I understand that there's an understanding of sin and there's an understanding of guilt and the need for forgiveness. And I think you have a conversation and they say, hey, have you known better than what you should have done and you did the wrong thing? And like people can have that conversation. But if that is the only way you approach the gospel, I don't see how that was really helpful when most people's experience or many people have a, a, a primary sort of. Understanding of an experience of sin in which they are sinned against, in which they are bullied, in which they are wounded, in which they are victimized, and how is that news, good news, to a person who is a victim? Saying, "Oh, not only are you a victim, you're bad." I, it, it, yeah. I, I mean, it's it, and the, there's plenty of textual resources for that understanding of the gospel, but mm-hmm. Christianity in a, in the United States especially has boiled it down to just, "Oh, you suck," and let me tell you why, how you suck because that's how I'm gonna tell you something good
1: well it's salesmanship again you create a problem and then present yourself as the only one who has a solution Mm -hmm. right it's like it's the the infomercial model you show a black and white picture of a person sinning and then you gotta be like well you know sin no more it's like black and white video of a person like lying to their parents or whatever and then falling down some stairs (laughs) and then it does like the red circle with a line through it over it Pa. And then it says, stop doing this with me. <laughs> right. Jesus. Jesus.
2: Well, and it becomes a sort of legalistic sort of transactional kind of thing, right? I mean, that's yep. the problem is that I, okay, and I have signed the appropriate contracts. I am no longer a debtor, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And that doesn't seem to be very useful.
1: Yeah. I mean, right. It it allows you to, once you sign that contract, view yourself as free of sin. Yeah. And <laughs> others as only sinners.
0: Yeah. Right. And it also sort of begs this question, like, if we're all bad, why do we matter? Right. And the answer to that typically is, well, God loves us so much that he that even though we don't matter, we matter to him, which I don't which I don't particularly resonate with either. Yeah. I like the the reason that the reason that all that matters is because we have we have the ability to make choices and we are just as capable of being good as we are. Of being bad.
2: Well, and this is, I mean, I, I don't know to what extent. It would be interesting to get some demographics on the listenership of this show. Yes. Because uh, I listen and I'm a Christian, but I might be the only one. I really don't know. Because um, it, it could be uh, a lot of people who experience, like, the nostalgia for the faith or yeah. whatever. But one of the huge debates going on right now in Southern Baptist Convention is, like, right, one of the places where this is happening, but in other places, is the idea of the penal substitutionary idea of the atonement, right? That Jesus suffered a punishment in substitution uh, for sin and as the only way or the primary way in which we understand what God did in Jesus, which is a way that does not deal with, I don't know, Jesus' life or his ministry or his birth or his resurrection or his ascension. And so there are other ways of thinking about the atonement that have been sort of sidelined, and uh, that's why that becomes only that, and that's why it's so easy to say, you know, I don't need that. And yeah, I, I can't blame anybody who does if that's the only version of what Christ's act is, well, yeah, it's yeah, it's
1: kind of boring. If Jesus is just a lamb, like then none of the rest of it matters right I think so i tend to, I totally agree
2: yeah
0: yeah, you really ha- you ha- you have to experience holistic you have to experience it holistically in order to be a responsible um, practitioner of the faith I totally right? agree, yeah um. Also, if you uh, email us at thepraisedown at gmail.com and tell us your uh, background, your your background growing up, your faith background, let's uh, learn about the demographics of the show. Let's do that. Email us at thepraisedown at gmail.com. Let's finish this article. We are very close. God is always better. As impressive as Apple's latest technology may be, Uh God will always better. Wait.
1: (laughs) Fuck. Okay.
0: I read that verbatim.
1: All right. We got to (sighs) get... English grammar. I got to get a job at this website. Mm-hmm.
0: As much as humans ignore God or try to push him out of the way, that doesn't change the fact that he is always there. What's more, not only is he always there, he is always better.
1: Okay, fine.
0: Uh, and here's, we've got some bullets of some verses that enforce, uh, he has given us everything we need for life and godliness, 2 Peter 1 3. In Christ, we have every spiritual blessing, Ephesians 1 3. Uh, his word thoroughly equips us for every good work, Second Timothy 3.16. These are all
1: the same thing, and they all don't address the problem.
0: Yeah, we've got a prosperity hat trick here. Um, we can have a personal relationship with God through 24-7, access to him in prayer, Hebrews 10.22. Do they say 24-7 in you Hebrews? They don't,
2: they don't say any of those things in Hebrews 10, but
0: anyway. <laughs> to, uh, through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we can be forgiven all our sin and have eternal life in heaven, First 1 Peter 1, 1.3. We can also get, we also get a whole new family as we are adopted into God's kingdom. Matthew nineteen twenty nine And
1: two Christmases. <laughs> hey, wow.
2: <laughs> this is a hell it's, article. It's like Bible roulette anyway. Uh,
1: None okay. of this means anything, yeah.
0: It just kind of seemed like a machine gun sort of smattering of, it felt like the elevator pitch for, um... For God is your new iPhone. Mm -hmm. I'm losing the thread on what this is trying to accomplish. Now, that is a list of features we should get excited about. Oh, Um. my.
1: Okay. Yeah, but can I play freaking Flappy Bird on my Bible? Huh? Huh?
0: So don't be fooled into thinking Apple is replacing God. We weren't. No
2: one yep I'd we
0: we don't you shouldn't be worried about that, we're fine.
2: That's a we solution without a problem right there. yep,
0: as impressive as their new iPhones may be, God is always better
1: we we all right, like, yeah, they weren't competing. Is this person trying to sell us a new God iPhone? like <laughs> are they trying to break into a market like what why would they write this article if they weren't trying to sell us something that is an alternative to an iPhone? You can get a Bible on there, it's free. The guy who did Life Church made sure that it's... Fr- that's one of the things. That's a good thing. Yeah. He made sure he could have charged money, and he didn't. Uh, mm-hmm. That was... That's so, so bad. Oh, my... God. oh.
2: I, I'm rolling my
1: eyes Yeah, all I can that's do. Yeah. That's that gross. Was that? R-M-E. Oh. That's, the new, that's the new one. What is... R-M-E for rolling my eyes. Ooh. Nice. Spread SMH, RME. Spread that little
0: abreeve around Twitter, listeners. RME. You boys ready to talk tune? You guys want to get tuned up? All right. Buckle down. We're going to get into some tune talk right now. Welcome to Tune Talk. It's time to talk Tune. Ready to get tuned up. Dustin, what are we talking about today?
2: We are talking about a uh, UK uh, British DJ called Andy Hunter. Ooh. So, uh, fun times Christian EDM or Christian Electronica. Great. Is he, he well, bass's brother? Is he who? Bass Hunter. Uh, who's, I'm showing That me. was a bad.
1: Boy, that was a bad
0: joke.
2: sorry. Oops. I was never cool.
1: I was never good at jokes. (laughs) (laughs) So take us through some of the background here on Uh, on Mr. Hunter.
2: I mean, I don't know a whole lot about him personally. I know uh, his career started in the mid-90s. He's uh, active even now. Uh, just uh, he's, he's an artist that does uh, DJ work And so it's a different sort of songwriting uh, material He does use samples and that kind of stuff with his performances But he also writes, produces his own original music So it's doing both of those things at the same time And in the Christian music scene uh, Electronica is a lot more popular there in uh, the United Kingdom Also Western Europe And so it's uh, a slightly different sort of nuance in those sort of Christian ghetto bubbles of uh, musicality than what we experience in the States because we are uh, very much in love with the guitar and the lead singer. We're very much in love with the idea of the front man as opposed to the DJ in a sort of worship context or a church context in which uh, that person is a lot more undefined. That person is a lot less in front and more a person that is a... uh, Uh, I guess just trying to aid in the experience uh, rather than drawing uh, the sort of performative attention uh, to him or herself. And so, yeah, I just thought, hey, let's just do something. You guys had not done ADM yet, so. We haven't. That's true. And I did see that you'd gone to church camp, my friend. Yes. And that you were uh, a little amazed at the electronic aspect to the worship set. Yeah. So tell me, I mean— can I, can I ask questions too? Can I? Can yeah, I, can I yeah, yeah of course. So 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 tell me about this uh this electronica what your take on it was and how it was used in this uh, church camp setting.
1: It was just it was a lot more just I didn't expect so much synthesizer in this in this youth band and it wasn't like it was like electronica like uh you know, I, I shiny toy guns. Right. It, it, it wasn't a ravey sort of uh, worship no, experience. No, it just it was so it was just. It was very. It wasn't guitars and lead singers and stuff. It was like a lot of electronic music with lights and fog and stuff, and then a choir.
2: And then there was like a lead singer, but it. You know, mm-hmm. it. It felt different than. So it's more like David Crowder deploying sort of electronic stuff in the composition of the music. Yes. Okay, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I saw David Crowder play uh, Guitar Hero guitar one time. Oh, really? Yeah, it was one of the most 2007 things I ever saw.
2: I went to a seminary with his pastor. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. And so um, I, I met Dave one time, and so that was kind of a cool thing. He's wow. tall. He's, he's very tall and froed out. Yeah, he's cool. I, I, like, I still like David Crowder. Um, so do we want to just jump in? Uh, we can just jump in. So, uh, the album I have chosen is color. Let me get the, uh, I guess the appropriate information. It is a 2008 release. Um, it follows up, uh, his, uh, album Exodus, which is pretty good. I've listened to it as well. I am also, um, his album presence is an album I like a lot. But uh, we're going to go really into uh, this particular record Because I think uh, he does a lot of different stuff And so the, the sort of variety One of the things that um, I hear as a complaint sometimes Especially with my American friends When it comes to listening to electronic music Is that it all sounds the same Sure Which is what old people say about your rock and roll So right. maybe it's just you're not into it And you have to sort of be into it To sort of catch the nuance
0: Yeah, you've got, you got to do a little bit more work Than accidentally hearing it Yeah right.
2: And so it, it's, you know, that, that sort of great grandpa, uh, sort of critique of rock music in general. But this is an album that's got a little bit more variation uh, to it. I don't know. I mean, we could we could probably listen just to the opener track and just sort of give you, give you a feel for what's going on, which is called Sound Pollution. All right. Uh, it's not very lyrical. There's more lyrical tracks on here. This is one of his just sort of more dancey numbers. Okay. An overture.
1: Now this is six and a half minutes long. Are there any spots we should skip to, or should we just let it ride?
2: Oh, I'll just let it. I, I think it, it'll do this sort of overture moment, like you said, okay. Heath, and mm-hmm. then it'll drop into the, the. Well, it'll have a drop. It'll have that sort of dubstep. Um, it, it's not a dubstep song, but it'll have that dubby kind of convention on top of it. Okay. So yeah, this but is I, but after dubstep,
0: after dubstep, everything's got to drop. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah.
2: It's pretty common. I like those synth horns uh, well I, I like this piece because it's got a real blade runner feel to it as it opens up mm, that's yeah. true
0: very um uh his name's gone um the composer on blade runner
2: oh yeah, yeah. A, i don't know who that is I'm a film guy and I don't know that which is really embarrassing this is messed up deeply embarrassing you're
1: going to get a lot of tweets
2: about this I know like, you're no scholar you don't know anything I keep wanting to
0: say Valor Morgulis," but that's from Game of Thrones Mm, but it's like
1: what? it's not Hans Zimmer
0: Hans Zimmer did Blade Runner 2049 I'm going to look it up it's going to bug me
1: yeah fair enough (laughs) Zangelix
0: <laughs> Zangelix?
1: Yeah, from Lords of Sim.
2: So here's the initial sort of opener action Okay
1: This rules Okay
0: Vangelis
2: Vangelis
1: I was so close Yeah
0: you said Vangelix? I
1: said Zangelix, <laughs> which is a made-up one. I think that's probably what it was based on. Are you familiar with the, the video Lords of Synth?
0: Yes. Okay, yeah, it's <laughs> one of the
1: guys in Lords of Synth.
0: Yeah, Vangelis also did Chariots
2: of
1: Fire. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah.
2: So, yeah, this, this, this is a pretty good sort of introduction. This is yeah. the kind of stuff that we're dealing with. Like, it's it's going to be another five minutes of this. Great, love it.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think we can move on from Yes, I it's think it's going to be okay. Absolutely. Okay.
2: So up next. Okay, next, let's go ahead and listen to "Stars." Okay. Uh, because it's got a, it's got a featured artist, um, Mark Underdown. There is a long play of just this song. Um, it's it's like an eight track. Uh, ep that he has out uh in which uh just this song and variations on it as a simple stars experience cool so it expands itself but this is sort of the main track with the main sort of lyrical content so this is the first one i would want to so i wouldn't probably introduce somebody to andy hunter with uh with uh sound pollution first unless they're already into edm yeah this is this is more poppy got it okay
0: So is it just him? Is he is it just him DJing?
2: Yeah. And Underdown's doing the vocal bit. Okay.
1: This
0: one is so close to doing a postal service. I was sort just of thinking thing. that Vocals are still so worshipy. Yeah, they
2: are very. Yeah, it's
1: weird. It's a weird,
0: very sort of. Um, there's it's there's like a sort of brooding pop element to it. Yeah, and, and this the track continues in this place, So okay, that's good
2: enough place to stop it there. But that's that's again one of his more poppy numbers. And if you really like this, there's a, he's got an entire sort of dance experience. You know, uh, where you can listen to the Mark the Andy Hunter Stars album. Cool. You know, with cool. him throughout. So it's good stuff. Uh, let's listen to Miracle, and then I'll do two more, and then uh, maybe we'll just uh, chat some, I don't know, or whatever you guys want to do. I don't know. Tip. I mean, typically we go just a little bit of every song on the oh, album. Okay, well, then just keep going then, I guess. Um,
1: yeah. But I, I, my question is, how, is this sort of more spiritual aspect of this going to unfold as we go through the album?
2: Uh, you'll definitely get there when you get to Fade. Um, but there's just sort of uh, it's a sense of um,
1: I don't see fade on oh wait yes there yeah yeah.
2: way down there Um, but there's a sense of contemplation throughout it's what's interesting about what's going on in the UK especially is this sort of ancient modern approach to worship and so much of like sort of classic uh, you know 8th century Gregorian chant kind of stuff in which you enter into a worship space and there is sound that's going on that's stimulating your senses you know, into a sense of worship, and so that's a lot of what happens in again UK context with emergent church or progressive church uh, kind of stuff happening there. But it's
1: not necessarily about the lyrics.
2: Not necessarily. No. No. Interesting.
1: Okay, this is the fir- cool. this is the first sort of uh, experience we've had with that. This is Shine featuring Shaz Sparks.
2: I don't know anything about dear Bubba's Shaz. brother.
1: Bubba's brother? Yeah.
0: <laughs> brother to B- B- Bubba B- Sparks. <laughs> hmm.
1: The Bubba Sparks Shrimp Company? <laughs>
2: Is that anything? I think you might <laughs> you guys are funny. You might imagine uh, <laughs> Thank you. I was I was like, how do I how do I like uh it's sur- all I ever surrogate be you through this? Uh th- imagine lighting the candles right now. Yeah. Like, that's Yeah the sense right here.
1: This puts you in a space for sure in a really interesting way because all the music we've done up to this point pretty much has been the sound doesn't really enter into the religious aspect of it. There have been some exceptions when we've done gospel and yeah. when we did that uh that uh, album by the guy from Switchfoot.
0: Yeah, John Foreman. John Foreman. John Foreman's yeah. episode yeah
2: this is much more about an aesthetic and an ambience and atmosphere sort of yeah. creation
3: mm-hmm.
0: yeah it's usually usually the sound is less central it's used as like a vehicle to deliver ideas rather than it being the idea
1: right and this is really taking me there CyberChurch. <laughs> Cyberchurch. this is taking me to cyber church all right, well, we'll move on to I think, miracle.
0: I think that's the, I think that's the episode title. That's the episode title is cyber, cyber church. church.
2: Miracle's got a fun vocal loop on it. Okay, I think, and I like the performance of the vocal on this one too. Okay.
0: So far, it's all been very soft around the edges.
1: Are they doing a reggae
2: thing? There's a little bit of a reggae sense in the use of the organ here, yeah.
0: Cyber reggae.
1: I just grew some cyberpunk dreads.
0: (laughs) Some dreads with like USB ports in Mm -hmm.
1: them. Yeah, they're neon. Hat being made with a mouth, it sounds like a guy just going. It
2: certainly, could be some beatbox on it. Yeah, cool. No, I think it absolutely is. I can't, okay, s- yeah. I can't stop hearing it now. Yeah, this really is
1: sort of contemplative.
2: Yeah, it was not in a hurry to get to again, no. delivering, like bashing your head with some sort of messaging.
0: Yeah. It's not even it's not even highly concerned with bashing your head with some kind of sound yeah. either. It's just it's world building. Yeah. Kind of.
1: Which we all know. I love. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful life. It's
0: a miracle. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful mm. This you know what this one sounds like? It sounds like the backing music to a sex scene in Sense8. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, it does. That's a spiritual experience. So I'm That's with that. true. yeah, that's
1: very true. That show really does ex- like explore a lot of concepts of sex as a spiritual thing. It does. Weird. Huh.
0: I really like that show. Yeah, it's a good
1: show. This is a good song, too.
3: It's a beautiful it's a beautiful
1: this is meditative. Yes. It's a simple idea, repeated over and over.
2: And then, you know, it's like, the confessing life. of a creed, the hearing of a text, yeah. you know, somebody reading some passage it's out of the Bible. I mean, this is what it would look like in a worship experience. Yeah. Right? There'd be even more bits being mixed, and also the uh, audio-visual yeah. sort of aspect being mixed in there as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Huh. Does he incorporate visuals, typically?
2: Yes. Yeah, multiple screens, you know, and, the, I mean, the, the the sort of Christian, you know, and there's a history of this, and uh, what is the name of... The uh, after nine church, I guess, is what happened in the eighties into the early parts of the nineties, and there was some like
0: after nine a.m. Uh,
2: yeah, after nine p.m. Uh, service oh. was the name of the service, and it's sort of this moment that was using a lot of this. And uh, the uh, what which U two album is it uh, with the TV stuff? Oh gosh, come on! Uh, uh, uh,
1: I listen to all of you talking U two to me. I know this. Uh, it's. Um, chi- I don't know. I don't
0: know. I know. I know know the Christians love Joshua Tree.
2: Right. Well, it's after that, way after that. But the uh, man, it's like uh, Zoo TV or something like that. Oh man. I think. I think it is Zoo TV. Maybe it is Zoo TV. But that uh, the aesthetic and the use of the audiovisual component was directly lifted from the After Nine Church uh, thing that was going on. So yeah, that's that's where all of this sort of UK, you know, uh, spiritual uh, Christian. EDM music uh, sort of made its breakout.
0: It's so weird how Christian U two was, but not really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean Bono is a born again Christian, correct? Yes. Yeah, but it's almost like the it's almost like Mm -hmm. there was a second Jesus movement, but only for new wave music.
1: Right. Ooh. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that I'd call U two new. I'm not going to get into what new wave is and isn't. Uh, let's.
0: Are the. We don't want Taylor Vincent to get mad uh, at us.
1: Or my dad. My dad loves uh, New Wave. Big Adam and the Ants fan over there.
2: So I uh, we're going to get into some more energy now, I think. The uh, next one, yes. System yeah, yeah. Error, is the, the name of this next one. The are pretty energetic.
1: Uh, this is System Error. That sounds glitchy.
2: Yeah. No,
1: that's not. Second, <laughs> second. Okay, no, well, that, that was, was not it. That was
2: <laughs> 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 I don't know what that was. It was fun. Was <laughs> <laughs> the
1: system is down from strong bad. Alex How fucking dare you! <laughs> that one was just for Heath. Uh, <laughs> 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 next, <laughs> we've got system <laughs> <laughs> system error. Ooh, just taking us right there immediately. I like it.
2: Well, there is a fadey kind of bridge from the last song into this song. Okay.
0: It's very breakbeaty, like the Matrix
2: breakbeaty, yeah, very Matrixy, yes. Or uh,
1: or Sonic Riders, all the music from Sonic Riders is very breakbeaty.
0: Is that your phone messing up? Yeah, or is that that was my song? phone messing up? I say, let it ride.
1: Yeah. great use of record scratches something i've come to be a fan of on this podcast
0: what, what bands sold you on record scratches
1: unfortunately i think it was uh toby mack <laughs> <laughs>
0: So where do you think that tracks like this sort of fit in a worship context?
2: This is sort of the extended. You know, but this is dancing, for, right? This is this is what you're doing the dancing stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which uh, in the West we're not very, or at least in the U.S. we're not used to doing because we're very embarrassed of our bodies.
0: That's true. That's true. I'm very embarrassed of mine. Oh
1: God, me too. But it's sinful to have one. <laughs> no, it's not. I know. <laughs> All right. That, that was great.
2: I mean, that, that's the whole track, yeah.
1: So, up next, we've got Smile featuring Midge Ure. Ure. Uri? I have no idea. E-ur.
2: I've only ever read it, I've never heard it pronounced. Oh. <celebrates RPG noise> Very interesting," I said. I, "I chose this album because of variety."
0: So, Andy Hunter is. Is he ever the vocalist on his own stuff, or is he I'm just. I'm not
2: aware. I don't really know. I'm not a super fan, so he I don't know. mostly have just DJing, producing. Yes. I do feel like this vocalist and also the vocals on uh, Miracle. Do you know the band Nine Horses? David no. Sylvian uh-uh. uh, from Asia of the 80s New Wave thing. Oh, cool. And he put together a project, and I think new Sylvian stuff sounds a lot like this.
0: Huh, I like it. Uh, it's still, it's still very like, it still is very pulled back. Yeah, and I don't think that's such a bad thing for the goal that it's trying to accomplish.
1: Yeah, it's supposed to be a conduit to another thing. It's not supposed to.
0: It's not supposed to be the thing,
2: right? And this is pretty, you know, gaudy in its, you know, um, god-ish, god-oriented in its lyrical content.
1: Okay. Well, up next we've got Technicolor featuring DeMorgan.
2: This song is madness.
1: Nice. Cool.
0: The Amazing Technicolor Cyber Dreamcoat
3: <laughs>
1: It's got LEDs All over it that shift patterns It's like a stuff. rewrite
2: of that Android Lloyd Webber <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Joseph and
0: the Amazing CMYK Dreamcoat Oh man Or <laughs> RGB I don't know anything Where are my Photoshop heads at? <laughs>
1: Photoshop heads. Email us at Get
0: Get us a logo. Yeah. This is wild. This one, I feel, has the most energy so far.
2: I think that's accurate.
0: Like, we've definitely heard tracks that were more to the four than this one, but this one feels like it has the most sort of like latent uh, power behind it.
2: This is where you catch your breath. Yeah.
0: Is where you quit dancing and
1: yeah, <laughs> get a water.
0: Put your put your hands up and
1: yep.
3: Hmm.
1: Yeah. There we go.
2: All right. He's never in a hurry. That I yeah. love that. I love this it.
0: song's off F Zero. Sorry.
2: Oh yeah. It is very F Zero. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, well, he does I can a, just pick out a video at, game score. It, he does a lot of uh, video game scoring. Actually, he has uh, got, got a, quite a few video game scores and uh, bits of movie score to his credit. He also scored a movie I don't love, that Expelled movie with the Ben Stein. Oh yeah, yeah. So I don't oh, love. Did? <laughs> and I don't. I don't, I don't love that about him. I, the music's fine, but I sure. don't love that movie very much. Ooh yeah.
1: Uh, next, we've got together. What video games did he score?
2: I will tell you. I like that. As soon as I find it, I will tell you. together he did the Black Hawk down game burnout revenge need for speed underground total club manager 2004 downhill domination the enter the matrix movies what uh,
1: oh whoa i love that game i loved that game i played Alex. the crap out of enter the matrix i
0: played the crap out of that game until um the levels where you had to shoot the uh squiddies because i got too scared yeah
1: i get that i yeah. also didn't get that
2: far in it it was a hard game
0: it was very very difficult yeah. for as cool as you were allowed to be right
2: He did a uh, film recently done on the Good Trash of cast. He did the Italian Job soundtrack, which we did not love, the movie, but uh, I guess the soundtrack... You you didn't
0: love the film, but the soundtrack?
2: must be okay. I don't remember. Well, and then I don't remember, so that's not so good.
0: So this guy's got kind of a pretty robust body of work,
1: then.
2: Yeah, he's got a lot of stuff.
1: Love this guy's robust body. (laughs) Of Of work. Of work. So...
0: How much of his career does he feel comfortable identifying ostensibly as a Christian artist? As far
2: as I know, it's always been the case. Always been the case, and he he sort of began in that Christian scene and just kept working. You know, found work with the video games and the and the, the trailers and stuff like that.
0: Just because he could produce a track that well slaps. That yeah. It did. I can't believe he did the Enter the Matrix video games.
3: Yeah,
1: Yeah, I didn't realize how big a part of my childhood this guy was. Yeah, truly. Wild. I also don't know anybody else who played that game, so nice.
2: So this is a track, um, we can talk about it theologically later, but um, I do want you, this is one I was excited to to present to you a lot. Fade? Yeah, there's a call and response, so there's two voices. Uh, There's only one voice, but there's two uh, speakers. There's a person, a supplicant, and then there is God. And so that's all I'll say.
0: Is this an Ariana Grande track? Because God is a woman.
1: This rules.
2: Yeah, God is definitely a woman on this track.
1: Is my phone messing up? That was your yeah, phone. That time, yeah. Time, yeah.
0: Okay, so were you able to find anything about the about the choice behind making the voice of God a woman on this track?
2: No, and I don't actually care because I just like the fact that it's there.
0: Yeah, I've I've never encountered this
2: in any. You've not heard any Christian music in which someone's speaking first person for God and it's a woman singing. Never. Uh, may, may, maybe not. Yes, Jill. But, yeah, there's n- I, I can't think of it happening very often, which is really kind of tragic. You know, I mean, the femininity of God is one of the things that is oftentimes sort of uh, marginalized, liminalized. Uh, sure. It's, it's all over the Bible. I mean, it's, you know, it's all over that. I mean, the God is a hen who gathers his, uh, her chicks under her wings. Uh, the first names, Okay, so check this out. Let me, let me do Bibleese for a second about femininity and God. Please. First person to ever name God in the Bible um, is a woman. Uh, that's Hagar. Who calls God the God who sees me? Yeah. So yeah. First of all, the first person who ever like, oh, I know who you are, and gives God a name. But one the old, the, so there's like the, the Elohim, and then there's the uh, the Lord stuff, the Yahweh stuff, and all that stuff. But the oldest name of God in the Bible is El Shaddai, right? And, uh, you know, we think El Shaddai because we think Spanish stuff, El must mean dude, doesn't. The, yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah, doesn't necessarily. It's not a masculinity tied to it. It actually, uh, there, there's a couple words that it could mean. One of them is uh, strength, just the sort of meaning itself, meaning the strength. Mm-hmm. But the uh, more common usage of it is the uh, large-breasted woman who never runs dry. That... Nice. That, <laughs> nice. That God is your big-titty mama who will never <laughs> let you go hungry. That's bible. <laughs> Love it. Wow. That's that's ins- that's crazy. Yeah.
1: Uh just for me later when I take these notes, make sure to write down God is your big tittied mama. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's um Oh goodness. Um
0: I I guess do you think that kind of comes off a I guess we were kind of coming off the foot of matriarchal societies.
2: Yeah, I think there's some of that. I mean, you know, God God's metaphors, I mean, it's always metaphors that we're using to sort of, you know, describe the ineffable, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so, but the original metaphors that were being used to the people of God were that, and uh, it's, I blame St. Jerome, honestly, uh, because the Vulgate translation, they have the options, they're looking at this, and uh, that's the sort of first move of the Bible from original languages, texts, and he's got all these celibate dudes who are going to read this and perhaps become suddenly aroused. And so he went with um, God Almighty, and s- which is more masculine mm. rather mm. than the big titty mama who never lets you go hungry. Mm-hmm. Wow.
0: I don't want my monks to get horny. Yeah. That's my impression of St. Jerome.
1: <sighs> I- <laughs> Listen, one thing about St. Jerome is that he knew his monks... We're all horny for milves. (laughs) He didn't want (laughs) to. It's
0: like I'm watching you guys. Listen,
1: guys, be cool here. We're going to talk about titties.
0: Yeah. (laughs) All right. You are not allowed to get horny. You are a monk. You are definitely not about to get horny about God in front of me.
1: No. All right. Up next, we've got sapphire. That's a color.
0: And also a color, depending on what side of the pond you're on oh right <laughs> you think that maybe speaks to something about the scarcity of resources as well
2: yeah i mean this is abundance right right um, yeah yeah the, i mean his yeah not pronouns i slipped um but mm-hmm. yeah it's about abundance and uh that's one of those things where we've lost those pronoun or those uh metaphors and so yeah it more easily adopted into economies of scarcity
1: So we're contemplative again.
2: Yeah, we're cooling down now.
1: Yeah, everybody danced real hard in the middle.
0: I'm kind of thinking about when when scarcity is not on, like a society's collective mind. Maybe the thing that they are more resonant to is this idea of power and strength, and not necessarily abundance and the um, caregiving ability of something
2: i think so and i think also it, it's when you start valuing the abundance r- rather than a capitalist value of val that that's supposed to make something worthwhile right but the reason it's rarity is is what gives uh uh something the lack of supply right is what mm-hmm. increases demand as opposed to no the best circumstance is not that this is very expensive the best circumstance this is so abundant that no one is left without.
0: Yeah, it's almost a transition between a God who gives the most to a God who has the most. Yes.
1: Ooh, I like that.
2: And that's the fundamental problem in the West. All right. Up next, we've got
1: Out of Control.
0: The John Rubin single.
2: My brain is going, do I remember this song at all? You always cut it off after Fade, (laughs) because Fade's the good one. Fade is a good one. Okay.
0: Could Sandstorm be a worship song?
2: Yeah. I don't know that song. I'm useless. Mm.
1: I feel like you do. I think you probably do. I'm lying. Th-
0: Let's go visit Sandstorm. Yeah, sand- okay. Let's go visit Sandstorm real quick. Okay,
2: one second. Because this song reminds you of that song. Yes? Okay.
0: It's just it's just a very iconic Dance track I bet it seems like It's one of those There's no way you haven't heard this Oh, it does feel very
2: familiar already Yeah, yeah, okay Yeah, yeah, yeah I Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah Okay, totally know the song Yeah I
1: don't think I knew it had a name Yep Here, I'm navigating back It's good It's still good Honestly
2: It's all about context, right? It's yeah. all about usage.
0: I can't wait to be old enough to see that song become public
1: domain. Oh, wow. I didn't even think <laughs> about that. What are some songs? How how what's the was it like 70 years 70 unless 70 it's years? renewed? Okay. So there are songs can make it that long, maybe. From the 80s for sure, when we're like 50 that will become public domain. The Macarena when we're 60 will be public domain.
0: I can't wait to do the Macarena at a TGI Friday's for my 61st birthday. Oh,
1: man. Or, no. The Macarena will be public domain in 2060. Different. Different. Okay, okay. Still good. Anyway, final track, You. Ooh.
3: Okay.
0: I hear that in the back.
1: Okay. Sparse is what I'll say about this one. Yeah. I like that.
2: I don't think it stays that way. Okay. Oh.
0: It's going to do something.
2: Ooh.
1: Do you know if this is what this, the whole song is? I cannot remember. Okay.
0: Let's uh, let's skip through and grab some highlights. This is good. It's F-Zero again.
1: Yep. I like that. Do you think the you here is directed at God? This is sort of a.
2: I don't know. I'm terrible. No, that's uh, okay. I don't know. Oh, there's lyrics.
1: They're too far. They're mixed they're, too yeah, far back.
2: Yeah, way buried. Yeah.
0: It's very vocal shy.
1: Yeah. It's kind of cool.
3: Except
0: for
1: on fade. Mm-hmm. Wow. so that's the album
0: we got to hear the end of it it's tradition oh yeah 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 gotta hear the last moments
1: this is the last like 25 seconds
0: and it just evaporates cool so
2: very very synthy stuff there for yeah. you guys. So yeah, yeah just something different. That that's mostly why I picked it.
0: This isn't uh this isn't super what I expected. Um, no, I love it. I I kind of forgot all about that sort of like and it's, and it's sort of aspect of dance music a little bit. Mm-hmm. The boots and pants and boots and pants. Because now it's all because now it's dubstep like changed everything. Right. So now it it like swings and um it's not like it's not like a straight four anymore, but it's really interesting.
1: I like the straight four. I forgot that the straight four is also good. Yeah, I think we as a nation have forgotten as well, and I think it may be high time for us to get back to it.
2: Time to remember. Yeah. Well, it'd, it'd be good to dance again. You know. I mean, yeah. I think you know we don't have a dancing culture at all. No, you know, that's true. Which is. You know, people, so you go dancing. I mean, it's not really as much of a thing anymore, as it? Like, I think about the people, movies I watched set in the 1950s, right? And that dance was just sort of part of life. You know, people would have dance-offs and dance competitions go and learning steps and going dance. We don't do that, you know. Of course, yeah. personally, I mean, the Geneva Con- Convention ruled against me ever dancing. Sure, ever. Oh, I, it's, yeah. a, it's a war crime. It's just limbs flying
1: everywhere. Yeah, huh? so somebody, yeah.
2: somebody will get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry to hear that. <laughs> I, just, I respect it. You seem like you have sharp elbows. I, 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 I'm probably very, <laughs> very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. But yeah, I mean, just imagine that as a different way of putting together the sort of you know liturgy of the church and that sort of stuff. You know, it's just a different sort of animal than you know your standard Hillsong album. You know, yeah. which is sort of the, the way in which worship gets envisioned here in the states. So I I, th- I think it's a real value to it, and I think the the fact that it is sort of, uh, well, we we, we talk about this all the time, Heath. It's it's very apophatic. There's a sort of emptying nature to it, yeah. You know, where there's not adding mm-hmm. or giving you all the sort of dots to connect, or giving you all the images, or giving you all the sort of lyrical content as much as you've got to sort of just work into what's going on inside and around your yourself. You know, you bring your own resources to bear.
0: Yeah, and worship in the states is very like cataphatic. Yes. Yeah. Like. The we we talked about the lead singer and it's the worship leader is an icon, a certain kind, right? Like we regardless of whatever makes the lead singer of a worship band like a person, um, when the worship is going, you tend to just go ahead and accept this idea that they are like. Like a conduit that, yep, the worship is happening through. Right. Um, and some people really appreciate that sort of idea, but also we kind of have to check that against that that idea of, like, the pastor-entrepreneur that we were talking about, about how, like, we look at a person and we want to say that this is a person God has been good to because they're, you know... um. You know, sexy and interesting, or something, right? You
1: know, it was very pedestally,
2: <laughs> sexy and interesting. Yeah, <gasps> sort of required, you know, attributes. Yeah,
0: yeah. Keep an eye open. Keep an eye out for a comedy album, sexy and interesting.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, we want to. We want to pass final judgment.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Anybody have the strongest feelings so far?
2: I mean, I picked it. I really dig it. So, yeah. I mean, I, I can just go ahead and say I, for I, I, it. L- I like it a lot. Uh, are we still using the Judas system since We're last time? We're
1: still I using, was, yeah, out of 12 disciples. Out,
2: out of 12 disciples, I would give it a, a 10 with a Judas.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh,
0: Judas, why? Uh,
2: just because it is not exactly my sort of standard mode of operation in worship or in just music uh, consumption in general. And so there is still, for me, just the sort of personal contextualization hump I've got to jump over and go, okay, I got to make sure I'm ready to do this thing, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm when I'm entering into this music. And so the Judas is almost my fault. Um so, but yeah, my own baggage.
0: That's fine. Yeah. Um I I'm having like full disclosure here. I I am having trouble giving it an appropriate rating because I'm having to reevaluate my own personal uh rubric sort of cuz it was really easy to review things that I guess presented ideas. And I, I don't feel like this does on purpose, like, like sure on songs on tracks like fade and stuff, ideas are definitely being presented, but by and large, it's, it's a vessel for you to attach your own, experience to attach your own meaning to and in that respect i think it succeeds by quite a bit yeah it it never it never gets up in your face it never gets too loud or i hate to say exciting there's probably a better word than exciting but there's nothing it never stimulating it it stays on the rails yeah yeah and i think for the appropriate purposes of this album I think it's very good yep like I want to go ahead and say that it's I'm gonna go ahead and say that it's a nine yep no Judas for the goals that it sets out um I it's it's sitting in the upper third wait it's sitting in the upper fourth but i again i i'm having trouble rating it higher because of its sort of the fact that it lacks a sort of artistic narrative and that may just be the shortcomings of my own scoring system that I have to address.
2: And I think you can find that. I think the Exodus album might have more of that for you. And I think mm-hmm. uh, the uh, EP version of Stars, which is, again, eight tracks, has much more orientation towards that. This, this one is a bit more of a mixed bag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Yeah, I think I'll, I'll go ahead and echo that nine. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, I mean, it sets out to do something and it does it. And I think it's very interesting to have a Christian album that you can really dance to because that's not something that really, you know, happens at all. Uh, I mean, the most you'll get is, is it like Christian rock shows? The kids will mosh with each other, but that's just because they're not the pogo for punk. Right? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, it just is such a it makes me think about electronic music and about Christian music in kind of a different way. And that's real interesting. Uh, you know what? I am. I'm gonna say ten, actually. 10, ah, yeah. Hey. Yeah. I I, I talked myself into Judas. it. I think no Judas for me. No I, Judas. I don't think he's doing any sins. Yeah.
2: Oh man. All right.
0: It's interesting to see how the Judas gets used.
2: Well, I'm happy to have exposed you guys to this. That, I, that, I appreciate that, it. That, that yeah. pleases me.
0: This is a lot of fun. I, I, I think what I would like recommend alongside this, as far as uh, sort of empty, like like a sort of like big empty room, sort of like vibe generation, headspace type stuff. The entire post rock genre, probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, when I when I kind of came hot off the heels of being a an exclusive Christian music enjoyer, I. I found post rock next, mostly. Really? Yeah, mostly. Mostly because it was just very. uh, It was instrumental. It was mostly melodic and pretty, and it was very. Was very reverby and very crescendo oriented. So there were. Oh yeah. It was. It was very much an an atmosphere sort of mood-generating genre that is trying to engineer an experience for you, but not necessarily impart any ideas strictly.
1: Huh. Yeah.
2: Cool, cool. That's really cool. Um, I guess if I was going to make a recommend, I would go ahead and recommend a different Andy Hunter album. Um, If you liked the contemplative, if you were thinking, I want music for when I do my meditation or I do my praying or – I do my reading of a sacred text or something like that. The presence album is sort of all that, and so it's just layers and layers and layers and layers, and it sort of and it does have movement. You know, there is uh, some increased, you know, in in timbre. There's increase in volume. There's increase in speed, but it's nothing that's quite so bombastic, sort of dancy. Uh, sure. That goes on that record. And so it's, it's, it's very, very good background kind of music. I, I mean, but I don't mean that in a bad way. Sure. Yeah. So Presence is a record I might recommend uh, if we're going to stick with The Hunter.
1: Okay. Now, there's one last thing we got to do. We have to send one of these songs to Digital Heaven. We have a playlist on Spotify called Digital Heaven. Oh, okay.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: If you're listening, follow our playlist. It's called Digital Heaven.
2: That's fun. Uh, do I have to, do I pick?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you get, you get the strongest vote. Oh,
2: man. See, okay, why, well, I, I mean, I really like fade theologically, but is it my favorite track? Nah, I don't know. Um, I mean, what,
0: what do you think deserves to be the representative track? It can be your favorite. It could be the one that matters the most off the album.
1: But it's up to you, mostly.
2: I mean, you know what? I want to put something super dancey in. I want to put Technicolor in. All right. Because that's what I would put it is Technicolor, I think.
1: All right. In it goes. Add to playlist.
2: Digital heaven. All right. I don't like this authority. Well, too <laughs> bad. I'm too Protestant for this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, too bad. Yeah. <laughs> Dustin, where can we find you online?
2: Um, you can find me online, um, at Twitter at Dustin underscore cells. Um, that's probably the best location uh, for what I am doing and what I am about, and uh, and also GTM. Uh, so the Good Trash Media Network, which is goodtrashmedia.com. dot uh, com. You can find the podcast. You can find stuff I wrote, stuff Arthur writes because he writes more often than I do, and uh, all stuff uh, you know connected there. So that'd be a good place for that. Okay.
0: Well, thanks again for listening to another episode of the Praise Down. Uh we also want to thank Good Trash Media for powering this podcast. You're uh, welcome. Dustin, thank you so much. <laughs> no. Thank you for being here. Thank you for thank you for being uh thank you for uh demeticiing our show. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you to Jill for sound engineering once again. Thank you to Molly Devine for the Toon Talk Stinger.
1: Thank you to Wampus Reynolds for the Toon Talk Stinger.
0: Uh thank you to Cameron Brewer for the outro song Holy Ghost Riding the Whip, which you're about to hear. Uh now uh, uh
1: thank you to Jarvix for our intro.
0: And thank you to Jarvix for our intro, which you heard. Uh now we're gonna sign off. The the only way we've ever signed off. The
1: same way as always. You guys all know it. Let's all say it together.
0: Do I thought we were gonna do it together? Okay, sorry. do do
1: unto unto birds birds that that you would have have birds do unto your car (laughs) under your car Round the whip, what, what, hut? Holy ghost round the whip, what, what, hut? Holy ghost round the, uh, uh, the whip, what, what, hut? Uh? Holy ghost round the whip, what, what, hut? Holy ghost round the whip,
3: what?